This evening, we're concluding a series that I've titled Lessons from Lockdown. And as we take this time to focus on the prison epistles of Paul, it's my hope that Paul's point of view from prison will help us to maintain a a, a proper perspective as we continue to pray for the end of this novel coronavirus pandemic that we're currently facing. Uh, Now I'll remind you, uh, we started this study three weeks ago with a focus on Paul's epistle to the church in Ephesus. And as we examine the encouragements that Paul presented uh, there in the book of Ephesians, we were reminded of the fact that we serve a sovereign Savior. And with that being the case, we can take comfort in knowing that the Lord is still in control, and yes, even during the days of this pandemic. Then in in our second study, we consider the encouragements that Paul presented to the church in Philippi. And it was during that study when we considered the importance of maintaining a proper perspective as we shelter in place. And in this way, we can experience the joy of Jesus even during this troubling time. Well, then in our study last week, we considered a few more lockdown lessons from the letter that Paul penned to the church in Colossae. And it was during that study when we considered the importance of fixing our focus on Jesus rather than all of the conspiracy theories that fill our hearts with fear. And Paul also encouraged the Christians in Colossae to pray for wisdom so that they would know how to address the arguments of every unbeliever. Well, now, here in the fourth and final study of this series, we're going to consider the lockdown lessons found in Paul's epistle to a believer named Philemon. Now, with this as the focus, let's open our Bibles to the first chapter of Philemon, where we find Paul. He's encouraging this uh, believer from Colossae, and and it might seem as if uh, Philemon might have been uh, a bit of a sour Christian, maybe even a bit of a a bitter Christian, which is why you might call him Philemon, Uh, but I wouldn't do that. We're eventually going to meet him in heaven. So let's call him Philemon for now, and as you make your way to this first chapter of Philemon, I should point out that this is the only chapter of Philemon. And I should take a moment to point out that this is the shortest of all of Paul's epistles. It's also interesting to note that the purpose of this epistle was relational reconciliation. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, Paul wrote this letter with the goal of restoring the relationship between a, this wealthy believer named Philemon and his runaway slave, whose name was Onesimus. Now, before we get into the text, it's important to, to deal with this topic of slavery. And it's important to understand that slavery has been an issue throughout almost all of human history. As Americans, you know, we're well aware of the slavery that took place here in our country. And as we consider those atrocities, I praise the Lord that a group of anti-slavery politicians, which included Abraham Lincoln, of course, they joined together to reform what became known as the Republican Party, all with the goal of emancipating every slave. Lincoln correctly insisted that no man is good enough to govern another man without that other's consent, and we should wholeheartedly agree with this. And it's for this reason that Lincoln described slavery as a monstrous injustice, which is obviously a breach of our Declaration of Independence. Well, after his election in 1860, President Lincoln began to set the stage for the 13th Amendment, uh, which formally abolished slavery here in the United States. And the Lord, you know, he used those brave believers back there in the mid-19th century. He used them to take a stand against slavery here in America, and for that we can rejoice. Sadly, though, the 13th Amendment, it wasn't able to end slavery in other areas of the world. 
You might not know this, but slavery in Ethiopia persisted until 1942. And in North Africa, 1.5 million Christians and Europeans were captured and forced into slavery during the 19th century. Even today, slavery persists as a problem in many regions of the world, including the Republic of Congo, Libya, and North Korea. With that being the case, as Christians, we have to be praying every day for the freedom of those who are still enslaved. At the same time, though, it's also important to realize that people have been enslaving one another since ancient times. There's evidence of slavery in the very first civilizations of Mesopotamia, as well as Babylon and China, as well as Egypt. Therefore, we shouldn't be surprised to learn that Paul wrote this epistle at a time when slavery was permitted there in Rome. And while there are many who unfairly insist that the Bible actually endorses slavery, that's the argument that they make. It seems to me, though, that Paul wasn't endorsing slavery. No, instead, he was actually encouraging this slave owner named Philemon to free his slave by rethinking the nature of his relationship with Onesimus. And as we consider this little epistle, it's my hope that, that we learn several lockdown lessons which would help us to grasp the importance of relational reconciliation in our own lives. Now with this as our focus, I want to consider the instructions that Paul presents to Philemon. If you would look with me here at Philemon chapter 1, I want to begin reading at verse 1. Here Paul writes, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Aphipha, uh, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now here in the introduction of this epistle, we find Paul, he's once again introducing himself as a prisoner of Christ Jesus. As we've seen from the beginning of this study, Paul didn't consider himself a prisoner of Rome. No, he saw himself as a prisoner of Christ Jesus. This is similar to the way that he described himself in in each of these prison epistles. And I'll remind you, it was in Ephesians chapter 3, where Paul referred to himself as the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the Gentiles. In the same epistle, he referred to himself as an ambassador in chains. In Philippians chapter 1, Paul assured the Christians of Philippi that his chains were in Christ. And in Colossians chapter 4, Paul assured the Christians there in Colossae that he was in chains because he was guilty of preaching the mystery of Christ. I think Paul put it plainly in his second letter to Timothy. There he encouraged the pastor of the church in Ephesus to remember that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains, but the word of God is not chained. In other words, Paul wanted Pastor Timothy to realize that his Roman imprisonment couldn't stop the word of God from being spread all throughout the Gentile world. And even if every Christian ends up being locked away in prison, the word of God remains unchained. In similar fashion, uh, the coronavirus lockdown uh, has closed the doors of many churches here in America. And yet, I would point out that this can't stop Christians from proclaiming the word of God. Therefore, I encourage you, let's follow in the footsteps of Paul by treating this lockdown as an incredible opportunity to reach others with the gospel of grace. They, they might try to lock the doors of the church. They might try to, to, try to tell us to, to stop uh, you know, going to our fellowship of faith, but that doesn't mean we have to stop preaching the word. 
So let's continue preaching the word so that unbelievers might come to faith in Jesus Christ, even in the midst of this pandemic. Not only that, but this might be the right time for us to uh, engage in the ministry of reconciliation as we uh, shelter in place. And with this as the goal, uh, let's look there at Philemon chapter 1. I want to begin reading again there at verse 1. Here again, Paul writes, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Aphia, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here in these verses, we find Paul. He's addressing this letter to Philemon, but not just to Philemon, but also to Aphia and Archippus. Now, Philemon, he seems to have been a wealthy believer there in Colossae. And the reason I say this, one reason is because he allowed the church to meet in his house. So chances are he didn't have a small house. I'm guessing he had a large house. Uh, And so uh, chances are he had some money. And and it's also believed that Aphia, uh, this person, is probably Philemon's wife. And then there's Archippus, the, the fellow soldier, who was probably Philemon's son. And so we see that Paul here is addressing this letter to this family, He's addressing it to the family there uh, in Colossae, the family of Philemon. Now, uh, the church there in Colossae was planted, actually, by a disciple named Epaphras. And and so it's my guess that Philemon was allowing Epaphras to lead the church there in his home. At the same time, I have no doubt that Philemon and his family had become believers who were looking for every opportunity to encourage the Christians there in Colossae. And in order to prove my point, I want to continue to make our way through this little epistle. If you would, let's pick up there at verse 4. Here Paul declares, I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith, which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Now here in these verses we find Paul, he's commending this man named Philemon. He commended Philemon for the way that he was encouraging the Christians who were there in Colossae. And what this means is that Philemon and his family, they were going out of their way to provide a place for the Christians there in Colossae to worship the Lord together. They, they were using uh, the money that they had, they were using the house that they had, and they were using it all for the glory of the Lord so that the church could be refreshed. Now I'm sure that we all recognize the amount of work that goes into preparing our homes to receive guests. If, if you have you know, dinner guests over, or if you have company over, uh, you know, there's a lot of time and energy that goes into making sure that your house is ready uh, to receive guests. But now imagine the amount of work that it would take to prepare a, uh, you know, your, your house for a church meeting every single Sunday. Imagine how much preparation time and how much work went into preparing your house for this weekly Sunday meeting. It's my guess that the prep work, as well as the post-service cleanup, because Christians can be a little messy, you know, I can imagine that there was a great deal of time and energy invested in this. One reason I say this, well, it's because I spent several years accomplishing these very same responsibilities at Calvary Austin. When I was uh, first, uh, you know, saved and, and started attending church there at Calvary Austin, you know, I became part of the cleanup crew and part of the setup crew, and, and I would show up before church and start setting stuff up, and I would hang out afterwards to clean up, and I did that for, for quite a while. 
And so I know the amount of work that goes into preparing a, a facility uh, for a church service. And so I imagine that these people were hard at work in order to provide the church in Colossae with a place to worship. I also know that we have a cleaning crew right here at Calvary South Austin, and every week they clean our facilities for, for, for every service. And in this way, they're demonstrating their love for the Lord and for all the saints here at our church in the same way that Philemon and his family were demonstrating their love for the Lord and for all the saints. Our crew here at this church, they spend a lot of time and a lot of energy preparing a place for Christians to come and worship the Lord. Now that we're preparing to reopen the church, our cleaning crew is doubling their efforts to provide us with a safe and sanitary place to come and worship so that we can be refreshed here at our Fellowship of Faith, even in the midst of this pandemic. And with that being the case, I encourage you, if you're able to join us, then come also join our cleaning crew so that we can accomplish this work together because many hands make short work. And while it would be easy for us to just go ahead and remain in lockdown for fear of the coronavirus, I would say let's instead take advantage of this opportunity to, to come and help clean the church. And, and hey, if we're cleaning the church, then this is a clean place to worship. And, and then we can have a safe space to worship the Lord together. At the same time, I also realize that many of us are still filled with fear as we consider the risks involved with returning to the church. And in similar fashion, I have no doubt that Philemon's runaway slave was also afraid to return to Colossae. And while fear, of a, uh, you know, fear is most certainly a powerful motivator, I believe that Paul uh, was well aware that love is an even more powerful motivator. Love is an extremely powerful motivator, and therefore I encourage you, let's love one another so that we desire to return to our fellowship of faith. And in the same way, we see Paul encouraging Philemon and Onesimus to, to restore their relationship according to the love of the Lord so that they could join back together and, and, and engage in relational reconciliation. Now, with this in mind, I want to pick up our study of the situation that Paul here is dealing with here in this little epistle. If you would look with me there, beginning at verse 8 here, Paul declares, Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you, being such as one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. I am sending him back. You therefore receive him, that is, my own heart, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. Now I want to stop right there. I, you know, here in these verses we find Paul, he's informing Philemon that Onesimus was with him right there in Rome. Chances are this is the first mention uh, that, that Philemon has received about his runaway slave. And while we aren't told why Onesimus was there in Rome, it's my guess that he ended up being filled with fear after he realized that his decision to flee from Colossae could result in the penalty of severe punishment, which included death. As a matter of fact, the Roman Empire provided every slave owner with the right to punish an escaped slave with whipping and even branding them and even the penalty of death. With that being the case, it seems likely to me that Onesimus began to realize that his decision to run away, well, it could have actually resulted in the pain of death. Therefore, he probably went and sought help from the one man that Philemon respected most, and that man was Paul. 
So Onesimus, I'm guessing he made his way to Rome after he realized the huge mistake that he had made, and he went to Rome in hopes that Paul would help him to reconcile this relationship. We should also notice that Paul saw this as an opportunity to lead Onesimus to Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, uh, look with me again there at verse 10. Here Paul declares, I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains. I like the way that the scholars who created the New Living Translation rendered this verse. They put it like this. I appeal to you to show kindness to my child, Onesimus. I became his father in the faith while here in prison. More simply put, Paul was able to help Onesimus understand that the first relationship that he needed to reconcile was his relationship with Jesus. You see, Onesimus had come to Paul probably uh, with the goal of, of, of asking Paul for help reconciling this relationship with Philemon. And, and Paul turns around and says, hey, look, the reconciliation that you really need is, is with Jesus Christ. And in order to explain what I mean by this, we should consider something that Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians. If you would, hold your place here in Philemon, and let's turn in our Bibles now to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. As you make your way to the fifth chapter of 2 Corinthians, I should take a moment to point out that Paul encouraged every Christian to help those who were still the slaves of sin to, to realize that they needed relational reconciliation with the Lord. You see, those who are slaves of sin are enemies of God. And therefore, as enemies of God, unrepentant unbelievers need to be reconciled to God. And, and thankfully, the Father has provided us with the ability to reconcile with him through uh, the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. Let's consider how Paul puts it here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you would look with me there, beginning at verse 18, here Paul declares, Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors of Christ. Uh, or for Christ, I should say, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now here in these verses we find Paul, he's describing uh, the, the task of evangelism as the ministry of reconciliation. When we go out and share our faith with an unbeliever, we're engaging in this ministry of reconciliation. And, and the reason why it's called the ministry of reconciliation is due to the fact that the sinner who trusts in the cross of Christ Jesus is being relationally reconciled to God the Father. With that being the case, Paul wanted to make sure that Onesimus first recognized his need for reconciliation with God the Father before then focusing on the goal of relational reconciliation with Philemon. Uh, what this also means then is that Onesimus wasn't able to grasp his need for Jesus until after he became a fugitive. Think about that for a moment. Onesimus was the servant of a believer who was actually hosting a church in his house. Therefore, I have no doubt that Onesimus had been around many Christians. He probably uh, waited on them and served them while, while there with Philemon. And, and I'm guessing that he was familiar with the good news of the cross. I'm guessing that he had heard the gospel on a few occasions. 
Not only that, but seeing how he ended up in Rome in the hopes that Paul would help him reconcile his relationship with Philemon, I'm led to believe that he probably met Paul somewhere along the way as well. Chances are it was during the days of Paul's third missionary journey. Uh, I'm guessing that Paul had, had been through Colossae, and, and I'm guessing that this is the point in time when one Simus uh, probably met Paul, and, and so he went and sought out Paul to help him reconcile with Philemon. Now, after all of these interactions with believers like Paul and Philemon and the other Christians at, at the house of Philemon, uh, you know, we have to understand Onesimus wasn't able to grasp his great need for Jesus until after he became a fugitive. It wasn't until after he went on the run. It wasn't until after his life was in danger that he came to Christ. In light of this fact, it's important for us to realize that many people aren't able to recognize their great need for Jesus until after they find themselves in a hopeless situation which is beyond their ability to handle and thank the Lord that he allows us to get in those situations and circumstances. That being the case, I encourage every Christian, we have to be on the lookout right now for the unbelievers around us who are filled with fear. I have no doubt we all know unbelievers that fit this description unbelievers who are filled with fear they're 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 worried out of their minds and listen if you sit there and worry along with them then, then why would they think that you have an answer or a solution for this coronavirus instead of you know just going along and jumping on the fear train with them and riding it to the end of the rails it, listen we need to lead them to jesus christ we have this great opportunity. The people around us, the unbelievers around us, they're filled with fear as they find themselves in the middle of this hopeless situation. And this is a perfect opportunity for us to engage in the ministry of reconciliation. Let's help them to understand that those who trust in Jesus Christ have nothing to fear. And the reason why is because those who trust in Jesus Christ have been reconciled to God. At the same time, it's also important for us to understand that those who trust in Jesus are not only reconciled with God the Father, but those who trust in Jesus are also given the ability now to enjoy relational reconciliation with everyone else who is trusting in Jesus Christ. And in order to prove my point, let's make our way back to the book of Philemon. You see, it's here in this little letter that we find Paul. He's helping Philemon and Onesimus to reconcile with one another. With this in mind, let's back up. I want to begin reading once again there at Philemon chapter 1, verse 8. Here Paul declares, Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul, the aged, and now also the prisoner of Jesus Christ, I appeal to you for my, one, for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. I am sending him back. You therefore receive him, that is, my own heart, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing, that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary, for perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, uh, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. 
Now, as we consider the encouragement that Paul here was presenting to Philemon, there should be no doubt that he was simultaneously encouraging Onesimus to realize that it was time to turn to uh, return to Colossae so that he could re- uh, reconcile his relationship with Philemon. And while Paul was ultimately ho- hoping that Onesimus would be able to come back and serve alongside of him, uh, Paul understood that they needed to get this re- relationship reconciled first. And while it's true that Paul was encouraging Philemon to receive Onesimus as a brother in Christ, it's also true that Onesimus couldn't be certain that Philemon would honor Paul's request. You have to understand that this letter is being sent along with Onesimus back to Colossae. And therefore, Onesimus wasn't completely certain that, that Philemon would honor Paul's request. Therefore, Onesimus was actually risking his life as he returned to the house of Philemon. And yet this didn't stop Paul from encouraging him to engage in this relational reconciliation. He knew there was risk involved and yet encouraged Onesimus anyway to go back to the house of Philemon. Paul was a man who understood then the value of re- relational reconciliation. Paul, Paul didn't want Onesimus continuing to live his life uh, when there was an issue with Philemon. So he understood the importance of relational reconciliation. And and, uh, we see several examples of this in the writings of Paul. For example, in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul declares, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. In other words, those who go to bed with anger filling their hearts, they're simultaneously giving room for the enemy to come in and affect their lives with bitterness. As a matter of fact, it's in Hebrews chapter 12 where Paul elaborates on this by declaring, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord, looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. In other words, if we we aren't pursuing peace with all people, Uh, we're going to begin to uh, harbor unforgiveness. And in that unforgiveness, that root of bitterness springs up and uh, begins to cause trouble in our lives so that many end up being defiled. You know, those who are holding on to unforgiveness are defiling the people around them. And therefore, it's so important for us to reconcile relationships. Paul also presented the Christians at Philemon's house a similar encouragement. Uh, It's in Colossians chapter 3 where Paul declares, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. In light of this encouragement, we find Paul, he's challenging both Philemon and Onesimus to walk in the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ and to do this by forgiving one another. We ought to forgive one another. And and Christian, listen, uh, this is not to suggest that you have to go force reconciliation uh, with somebody that doesn't want to reconcile with you. Uh, It's not your responsibility to go convince someone that they need to reconcile with you. No, instead, all I'm saying is this, that you should have a heart of forgiveness for those who have uh, offended you and stepped on your toes. And you should always be ready and willing to reconcile with anyone who wants to reconcile with you. I have no doubt that both of these men had reason to be angry with the other. The fact is, every relationship is going to get strained at some point in time. And and the reason why is because the the longer we know someone, the the more relational difficulties we're going to experience. I have no doubt that that this 
uh, slave status of Onesimus had caused him to become bitter with Philemon. He was probably looking at Philemon as a Christian and wondering, well, why isn't that, this guy just setting me free? I thought he was a Christian, you know? And, and at the same time, I have no doubt that Philemon was angry with Onesimus. And one reason why is because even Paul himself says that, hey, yeah, he had been unprofitable to you. And so chances are, you know, maybe he wasn't uh, the best uh, employee, so to speak. Uh, and, and, and on top of that, he ran away. Uh, therefore, they both had their reasons for unforgiveness, and they both had their reasons for bitterness. But that didn't make it right. It didn't make it right. Just because uh, both men had hurt the feelings of the other didn't give them the right to withhold forgiveness and, and you know, treat each other with bitterness. And in similar fashion, listen, I'm certain that we all have our reasons for the bitterness that we feel towards those that we're uh, close to. I'm sure that, that this especially affects us uh, in, in our homes right now as we shelter in place. I have no doubt that we all feel uh, that, 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 that unforgiveness towards those that we're living with during this time of lockdown. And as a result, domestic abuse has increased in many communities since the day we were instructed to shelter in place. According to one report, Houston police have seen 20% increase of domestic calls uh, from, from February to March. Uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina, police saw an 18% increase of domestic uh, violence calls there in March. And then there's an increase of 6% in Phoenix, Arizona. So we're seeing uh, more and more domestic abuse cases uh, in, in many different communities. And, and one reason why is because, uh, you know, we're forced to shelter in place. And, and, and it, it's in the, uh, these close quarters that uh, tempers are beginning to flare. But listen, it's important to understand that one of the main reasons for domestic violence is a failure to forgive. It's the failure to forgive that causes us to, to just be so angry with the person that we're struggling to forgive, and, and this impacts us right where we live. And while it's true that the stress of this lockdown is exposing the bitterness of many believers, I, I would encourage you to enjoy the benefits of relational reconciliation by just learning how to forgive one another in the same way that Jesus forgave us. The forgiveness that you, Christian, have received from Jesus Christ is the same forgiveness that you are to give to the people around you. Now, it's possible that the Lord might be calling you to reconcile with somebody, but it's also possible that the Lord is calling you to help someone else reconcile a damaged relationship. And with this as the goal, I want to continue to consider how Paul was helping Philemon and Onesimus to, to you know, restore their relationship. And if you would look with me there at Philemon chapter 1, we'll pick up our study at verse 17. Here Paul declares, If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. But if he has wronged you, or owes anything, put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand, I will repay. Not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. Now here in these verses we find Paul, he's encouraging Philemon to receive one submiss with the same love that he would demonstrate if Paul himself were showing up for a visit. He's basically saying, hey, how would you treat me if I were showing up? Treat Onesimus in the same way. Treat him as you would treat me, he's saying. And in similar fashion, we would do well to, to, to recognize that this is not always easy to, to treat people closest to us in the way that they ought to be treated. The reason why is because familiarity tends to breed contempt. Familiarity tends to breed contempt. Or in other words, the more familiar we are with a person, 
the less we consider their feelings as we interact with them. It's for this reason that we tend to treat the people that we just met with more respect than we treat our immediate family. The people that we're familiar with, we feel like we can pop off, we can speak to them however we want, you know, we can bark at them because we're holding on to unforgiveness. And then we meet someone brand new and it's just like, hi, I have so much respect for you and everybody else. And we kind of put on this show with the, with the people that we just met uh, while turning around and disrespecting the people that we've known the longest. It ought not be the case. And if this is true of you, then I encourage you to consider uh, the way that Paul encouraged Philemon here to treat Onesimus. He's saying, hey, don't treat Onesimus like he's Onesimus. Treat Onesimus as if he's me, Paul. Rather than feeling the freedom that, that allows you, in your mind at least, to treat your family with disrespect, treat them like you would treat a respected Christian leader like Paul. Or you might ask yourself before you lash out at your loved one, just, just ask, well, what if that person was Jesus? How would you speak to Jesus? And how would you treat Jesus? And you ought to treat your loved one in that same way. Well, not only should we set out to reconcile our familial relationships at home, but I also invite you to reconcile your relationships with those who are here in your church. And with this as the goal, I want to consider the final verses that we find here in this epistle. If you would look with me there, beginning at verse 20. Here Paul declares, yes, brother, let me have joy from you and the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. But meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers, I shall be granted to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Now here in these verses we find Paul, he's encouraging Philemon to pray for the re- uh, relational reconciliation to be restored to this fellowship. He, he's saying, hey, pray for me because I want to enjoy relational reconciliation with your fellowship. Remember, Paul had been separated from the Christian community there in Colossae after he was arrested in Jerusalem and then sent off to Rome. Therefore, he's asking Philemon here, hey, pray for the day when I can come back and hang out with you guys. Pray for the day that God would grant me the privilege of returning to the fellowship of the saints, which is there in Colossae. He wanted so badly to be a part of this fellowship of faith. In similar fashion, I've been praying for the day when the lockdown will be lifted and so that we can reopen the doors of the church. I miss my church family. I miss seeing you. I miss hanging out with you. And and I've been praying every day for this lockdown to be lifted. And I praise God that it has been. Now, according to Governor Abbott's plan, we're able to accept people back into our fellowship of faith. And and therefore, much like Paul, who encouraged Onesimus to overcome his fear by returning to the house of Philemon, I'm encouraging every Christian who is able and healthy Let's overcome our fear of this coronavirus so that we can reconcile our relationships here at Calvary South Austin. I'm also encouraging you, Christian, let's walk in the faith of Onesimus. Remember, Onesimus was willing to accept the risk of returning to Philemon so that he could restore that relationship. And it's my prayer that we too will will walk in that faith that Onesimus demonstrated when he returned to Colossae. Let's walk by faith, the, the, the faith of Onesimus, if you would, 
and so that we can return to our fellowship of faith and be refreshed here together with the rest of the saints. Now, as we begin to wrap up these lockdown lessons, I encourage you to remember, uh, we serve a sovereign Savior. We saw this at the very outset of this study. Back in the book of Ephesians, we learned that we serve a sovereign Savior who is in charge. And he is the one who has allowed us to experience this time of lockdown. And while I have no doubt that the Lord has allowed this lockdown for his own perfect purposes, I also believe that he's the one who's now also enabling us to gather together once again. And with that being the case, I encourage you, let's walk in the faith of onceimus. Let's recognize that though there might be risk involved, the Lord is allowing us to join back together here at Calvary South Austin. And so I invite you, join us this Sunday for our 9.15 or our 11.15 a.m. service. And as we join together in the safest way possible, we can worship our Savior together here at our Fellowship of Faith. Hope to see you Sunday. God bless and let's pray.